Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Yo, what's up? This is the big Shaquille O'Neal. I used to be the big Shamrock, the big Cavalier. Make sure you support me and Andy Steinberg's podcast. Go to iTunes and... Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. On iTunes. On iTunes and rate something? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to rate us. 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 We got to know what, what's, what's going on. So we, can we move up on and get some stars on uh, on iTunes? Yeah. DMX, we need some stars on iTunes. Go to Spears and Steinberg on iTunes. Rate a motherfucker. Uh-huh. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> So uh, this is the very special Thanksgiving. Low energy, semi-depressed for for me and Andy Thanksgiving podcast. Let let's let let us give you a little bit of a quick situation here. Uh, we're on the road uh, in Kansas City doing this podcast with no friends, no family. It's Thanksgiving Day, uh, and we're out here alone. Uh, we just missed the hotel Thanksgiving buffet, which was from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We both thought it was over at 4. So our plan was to come down here at 2 and, and grab some Thanksgiving. But, of course, us being comics, uh, we were out <laughs> till the wee hours of the morning uh, f- fighting a, a different depression. Uh, so by the time we got back to the room, gorged on Gates Barbecue, Mixed with tequila uh, and Jack and Coke, uh, we didn't get up until after the buffet was closed. Right. So now we're sitting here, facing the entranceway, watching all the elderly people who hopefully survived off dried chicken and turkey come out alive, while we both have nothing. I've never seen so many crutches and canes and walkers in my life. I'm I'm probably glad we missed it because the scene alone. I think would have had me commit suicide. I probably choked on a turkey leg bone. It, it, it's looking very. Uh, it made us question uh, life. Yeah, and I, this is something that I often do anyway. But I just I, I had turned to Andy and I just said, "Dude, you ever stop and think about what it's like when you get to a point where you get so old, where you just have to wonder." What is it like when you can't enjoy any of the things 
that once upon a time ago you were able to enjoy in your youth. Everything bothers you. You can't go to ball games because it's too noisy. You can't go to a club because the music's too loud. You can't even dance because your body hurts. Your whole life is consumed with taking medicine, going to the doctor, and the most, the worst part of it all, when sex, I think that's when it's over. When you can't even enjoy fucking life's over. Man, like I, I like I said, I think that you become more into your brain, and some of the stuff goes away that isn't. It just doesn't become important to you. So you think it just you adjust? I think you adjust. I don't because first of all, you don't notice it happen. It happens slowly. I can't. I can't imagine that you don't notice that it's that it's happening. Of course, you got to notice. You might know. I, I get that you might think about it. As you look back, you notice. But as it's happening to you, you don't notice that you're slowed down. When you're walking up the... You talk about going to the ball game. I think half these people don't go because they can't walk up the ramp. But you didn't notice that it was just slowly started to slowly walk up the ramp. And it got slower and slower until one day when you go, you know what? I just don't want to make that walk you up gotta the ramp. you got to notice. Listen, I'm, I'm 42. I'm no by no means an old man. I, I ain't no prime chicken no more but i ain't no old man and i know there are times when i go do press on the road and we get to the radio station and clearly these motherfuckers have an elevator but they think no big deal to go up two flights of steps and before i put one foot on the step i go why can't we take the fucking elevator um, and i'm so i know these old motherfuckers know i guess but i just i'm hoping that as i age and age well that I don't feel it and I feel like a, an internal growth, not just a physical loss. Right. You said something to the extent of, uh, like, you know you're old when you go into the hospital, not to get well, but just to be maintained. Yeah, when you go to the doctor and you see all the all the people there that are older than you, you know they're not getting well. Right. You know that they're just... There's no the, getting well. No. It's, it's just to keep you going. It's maintenance. Until the inevitable. Right. It's like it made me think of uh, my mom and dad growing up because we weren't rich by any means. We we were definitely on the closest side of poor. Hell, we weren't even middle class. But whenever they took their used cars to get fixed, they would never take them to the dealership. And of course, I couldn't realize that this made any difference until I got older and was fortunately uh, put myself in a position to where I could buy brand new and take it to the dealership that almost is a privilege because they would go to these you know joe's uh car repair or at some local you know uh, mom and pop fix it place and they did it because it was less expensive yeah you know to take it to the actual dealership was more expensive and of course you always ran the risk of being taken by the mom and pop shops because they were low rent places and you know uh the service might not have been as up to par, but that's what they—that's all they could afford. Yeah, the parts are aftermarket. After aftermarket, and then once I was able, like I said, once I was able to take my car, like I had a Lexus LX four fifty, uh, that you know, land from Lexus that I actually bought from Lexus. It's like a seventy thousand dollar car, and I always kept this car up to speed. I mean, anytime it on, on scheduled, every time I would take it to go get service, and they go, "Your next service is." Like clockwork, whenever it needed new brakes, I got new brakes. I never, and I know, again, a lot of people, for them, that's a luxury they can't afford. Sometimes people drive their cars knowing it needs a part, and they can't afford it, so they just drive around with that part 
without that part or with the car in bad shape, which ultimately means you're hurting the car even more. So I'm saying all that to say I took such good care of my truck that I put 248,000 miles on that thing. And then one night it finally just kind of broke down on me and I took it to the dealership and the dealer was like, look, man, we can keep fixing this car. But you but honestly, we're being honest with you. You just wasting money because it's going to be here every month. It's so old that it's going it's on its way out. Long story short, you need a new car. It's time. And I'm looking at that like kind of like, you know, with the old people, except there is no new car. This is your one shot. Right. But so once it's time to go, it's time to go. So when you say going to the hospital just to be maintained, it's almost like if the doctor could be honest with him, it's like, look, we're going to maintain your ass. But. You need a new car. You about to die. <laughs> but and that's that's a scary reality, man. But it's where we're at. I mean, like I said to you earlier, if you chop my life in half, I know what side I'm on. I'm on the second side. Right. You know, so this is where we're at. I don't know how you make peace with that. Well, you know, when when you say that it it, it brings to mind uh you know, it brings to mind a very funny comic who I really love and respect, Billy Gardell, who you guys probably know from Mike and Molly. Uh, but he had that great uh, uh, comedy special called Halftime. And he goes, he goes, I'm at that point in my life, folks, where it's halftime. I'm at the halftime of my life, and, man, I played a sloppy first half. <laughs> and I'm, th- I'm thinking, you know, at 42, I just, I know and I realize, like, again, I'm, I'm by no means an old man. But, yeah, I'm at halftime. I'm not at the half. That's been a great first half. I'm at that second half with me having to look at the look at the board and give my team a pep talk and go look. If we still go out there and do the X's and the O's, we can win this thing. I'm 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 at that point. I, it ain't it ain't over. Uh, but yeah, I'm at that I'm at that weird crossroads, man. And I'm it's it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird. Well, so what do you want in the second half? You know, I'm, I've I've always been consumed with, you know, since I started this thing 28 years ago, I said to myself, you know, th- this is it. There is no there is no other option. You know, people would always say, whatever your dreams are, especially in Hollywood, have a backup plan because this business is so, uh, what's the word, uh, fleeting, it's so fickle, fickle that... Uh, you know, you might not make it. Have a backup plan. And I just never had that attitude because I always felt like a backup plan is preparation for failure. Like you are preparing yourself for the possibility you may fail. And and, and again, this is the thing about being young. When you're young and full of vigor and you believe the world is yours and your shit don't stink, I said, backup plan. I'm making it. And 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 I said, all the way or bust. And I'm consumed with it. Um, so, so, well, but, but, but a lot of people will say to me, "Well, dude, you're blessed, man. You, you know, look how far you've come." And I realize that. But my success is not determined by your interpretation of where I'm at. It's it's determined by my interpretation of where I should be. And I'm at that weird place right now in my life where I'm still going full steam ahead. I still am obsessed. With being where I want to be. But I'm at the fork in the road where I'm starting to feel, and it's almost blasphemous for me to say it, and I hate the fact that I'm even going to let these words come out of my mouth, but I'm starting to go, "Mm, well, are you going to make it? 
What if it don't happen? And the fact that I, 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 I'm even letting those thoughts entertain my head, it, it, I hate it, man. Because, I, you know, again, in my 20s, that would deflect off me like, you know, a bullet on Superman. Right. Because the, the future was inevitable. So It was inevitable. So let me ask you this then. So if tomorrow you got the call and you got a show, you get a show, you get a prime spot, and they uh, now... Because of the show, it helped. now you're selling out, not not selling out on the road doing clubs, but you're selling out arenas. Right. Is, is that enough? Does that complete you? Absolutely. Because, because and I don't want to make it seem like it's about material. It's not a materialistic thing. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I got to have the mansion and 15 cars and a yacht. Yeah, it'd be nice to have all that shit. Who wouldn't want that? And, 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 and that's the beauty of what we do in this business. If you make it on a big level, all that comes with it. Now, whether or not you keep it, blow through it, do some Mike Tyson shit, that's on you. But, yes, because I, I wake up every day and I just go, yeah, I feel like I, I know I have the talent to be there. You know, uh, a lot of guys have the talent to be heavyweight champ. But for, for other reasons, personal reasons, drugs, alcohol, it could be a number of things. Uh, the talent may not meet the opportunity. Right. Um the opportunity is its own, is its own animal. Um, but yeah, man, I would love if I if I could if I could have all the money in the bank and have the house and the cars and I'm and that's not what I'm being consumed with mentally, and that's not my drive anymore. Yeah, I'd love to be able to sit back and do like these adults do and have Halloween parties where I get all my celebrity friends and family to dress up like Halloween characters in their thirties and and have a ball. Um, so, but, but, my, but my head's not there. But so so okay. So you you get that, and you say you make it. But then you look in you look at the in the mirror, and you see the dude looking back at you, and you go, "That's the areas I've always wanted to see. That's gonna that's gonna fix the life that you have. That's gonna make the life work." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and part of that, you know, listen, you have to take responsibility, obviously, for your own life. And and like Billy Gardell said, you know, I, my first half has been a little sloppy. Uh, I know one of my biggest issues and. And I'm in a business where vanity is, is a big deal. And, you know, do I look the part of the movie star? No. Uh, but neither does Ice Cube. Uh, now, <laughs> I'm not trying to take a shot at Ice Cube. I'm just simply saying, you, you know, not everybody has to fit the mold. No. Um, but to be where I want to be, there's work to be done on my part. And I, and I got to figure out how to get past, A, being a little bit lazy. And two, part of my laziness just comes from, I'm tired, man. I'm fucking tired. Dude, I don't know. I, like, like I, I've been doing this so long. And when I say I'm tired, I just mean I've gone on countless meetings. Hey, we want to meet with you about this. We want to meet with you about that. This cartoon thing or this potential TV show or this project. And 99.9% of the time, these meetings lead to nothing. I'm tired of meeting with directors and producers and showrunners and people who say they want to do shit, but when it's time to put the money where the mouth is, something always slips through the cracks. It, it, it gets exhausting when you get that phone call from your manager and agent and they go, hey, we want to set up a meeting this Tuesday for you to go, yeah, part of you is hopeful going, hey, this could be the shot. But when 10 out of 10 times it ain't, how you put your pants on with the same passion? to go do something that you know chances are going to be a dud too you know what though there's a there's a comedian that um 
I know that you you put up high on the list, Bill Burr. Yeah. And for years he did. He did. He, you know, he went on meetings, did the whole thing. I mean, really, his in in his in this part of his life, the only credits that he really had. Well, he got he has his own cartoon now, but before that, he was on. Uh, what's the Breaking the, Bad? Breaking Bad. That was yeah. it. That's that, yeah. that, and that's not what that's not what propelled him anywhere. That was right. just that's what that was just some checks. Yeah. I mean, the nature of this business, though, is it's 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 almost like when you aren't looking for it, someone knocks on the door. That's an evil trick. <laughs> That's a horrible trick to play on a human being. I want it. I want it. Let me come get it. Let me chase after it. Let me show that I want it. Let me put let me put the energy into wanting it. You know, well then don't don't want it, and then it come closer, but. If it's right there, and all I got to do is reach out and grab it and run toward it a little bit, but it runs away. But then I stop and I act like I don't want it, and I walk in the other direction, and then it slowly starts to follow me. It's like trying to get some pussy. Dude, it, it, this is so. It, it, it's such a weird business because you know, at the same time you're sitting here, there's a meeting somewhere going along, and you might be the top one of the topics in in the meeting. And let me tell you, I'm glad you brought that up. When I did the avian pre-party. Since I'm hosting the AVN Awards, the Porn Awards in Vegas at the end of January, uh, my manager told me something that was interesting. He goes, you know, I don't like to tell you everything because I don't. And, and this is, you know, managers are kind of like coaches in the sense that they got to figure out what's best to tell my team, what's best to tell my fighter. Because if it's something that might get in his head and get in the way of his performance, it might be best left to be left unsaid. But my manager tells me, he goes, I'm going to tell you something, dude. You were on the one-yard line. Like, I, I auditioned for Kev Hart's. And I remember I told you when we were in uh, Gainesville. I had, remember I had the lines? Yeah, yeah. I was auditioning for Kevin Hart's new Fox animated pilot called Little Kev. Uh, and it's, you know, it's based on his life as a kid. And he does the, all right, all right, all right. And I had auditioned for the part of his dad. You know, and I, you know, I told him, hey, little Kev, let me tell you boy. You know, and I, all right, all right, all right. Like, I invented it. <laughs> so I did the audition. Uh, come to find out, my manager and agent goes, uh, you were on the one-yard line for the part. Kevin wanted you. Now, despite some of the shit I've said about Kev, like, I don't like Kev, and I've always said, we talked about it last night at Ball Louie, I respect the hell out of Kev. Kev is a major player in the game. You, you can't not respect him. Uh, I just had whatever issues I had, and Kev knew about it. And despite that, Kev wanted me for the part. All the producers wanted me. I was fourth in inches. But then my manager goes, some executive at Fox said, nah, not that guy. And told no to Kev. That, that, the, the, the baddest, wealthiest, hottest comedian on the planet was told no. Someone said, not that guy. Now, what that was, why that was, maybe he saw a tweet he didn't like. Maybe he saw the interview I did on Vlad where I talked about how historically white people have been the most dangerous motherfuckers on the planet, but yet make black people out to look like we're the scary ones. Maybe, I don't know what it was, you know, but it was something uh, that the guy did not like about me. And, you know, maybe that's the reason why I am where I am. Maybe that's the reason why I haven't gotten a lot of jobs. And maybe that brings me back to what my manager said about do you want to be rich or do you want to be right? Sometimes to be rich... You have to stop trying to be right. And I'm just in this stupid, and as we talk about youth and age, maybe I'm just at this stupid place where 
my mind don't match my age. I think I'm 20 still, and I can have it both ways. Why can't I be rich and be right? Maybe that's 20-year-old thinking when my 42-year-old ass should be like, look, nigga, you got two baby mamas, you got alimony, you got child support, you got tax issues. Stop trying to be right. Be rich. The second half, we can still win this team. <laughs> we can still win this team. You're on the one line? You're on the one line. So, there, you know. No, it, it, this is, it, it is the weirdest thing because... Like you, like you just said, you, you were in the room, you're in the discussion, you're right there, and then someone pulls the plug. But that's this business. You never know. Someone else, someone else is all excited about that decision. Right. But that doesn't, that doesn't fix your shit. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I met with the producer the other day uh, for the Avian Awards just so we could discuss particulars. And he says to me, he goes, uh, yeah, man, I picked you because one day I was just watching your stand-up. And I'm going based on what this show is and how, how the, the energy of what we do. And I saw what you were saying and your energy. I thought this guy is perfect. And that's when I realized if I'm going to make it, it's going to have to be that way. I'm not going to make it in the traditional sense that everybody's going, we want to be in the Aries Spears business because they like me or because I'm popular. I'm going to have to slip through the cracks. I'm going to have to go in through the side entrance. It's going to take some dude who sees a tweet or sees a performance, or sees an interview that goes, you know what, I don't care what nobody say, I want that dude. Something about that dude does it for me. I like him. I don't give a fuck that everybody else don't. I like him. That's going to that's, that's, that's be the way. It's going to have to be that way. If it's going to be on tradition, if it's going to be what this business is, a popularity contest, I better find a way to get popular. Because <laughs> I'm not popular. With the people, you're popular. With the people. I'm the people's champ. On, on the people, the streets. But on paper, and the paper means Hollywood, I am not that dude. I am not that dude, man. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but yeah, I know you guys can't see it there, but his face made, made me crack up right now when he said it. Um, but... <sighs> That being said, I mean, I've talked to you about this a little bit before. Would you change some stuff up? I have to change some stuff up now. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm at that crossroads where it's I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, look, you're going to either f- figure out how to be happy settling or, or with, with what you got, or you're going to have to make whatever changes you're going to have to make. And there's no guarantee that even if I make those changes, I'm going to be good. But... It'll increase my chances. It, see, for me, it's a different perspective because I started so late that my success level is built on the fact that I can just be out there. But your success level or your potential success level also is that you are white. Now, for a lot of people that listen to this podcast and have been listening consist- consistently, consistently, uh, we talk a lot about race. And, I, and I, don't, I don't always mean to make everything turn into race. But Andy is a white man, and sometimes you white people get lost in your naivete about being white, which is to say the opportunities for you are so much greater than they are for people of my pigment. So even though you could be 70, late in the game, just started yesterday, there is a role out there for you where black people, those roles for every one role or two roles there are for us, there's a thousand for y'all. The window of opportunity is much smaller for us. 
It really is. So, you know, I hear you say that, but I'm telling you, Paul Mooney, you got the complexion for the protection for the collection. I'm not going to disagree with you. The, 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 <clears throat> the, what's troubling for me in that statement as a as a comic not a, not as a not as a color yeah not as a person just yeah. as a comic we're we're working on this list of the top 20 comics that's what we're working on to come out it's supposed to be on this podcast but this is a special thanksgiving podcast mm-hmm. so it won't be on this one uh but on that i mean my top 20s consume not by white people there's very few white people in my mm-hmm. top 20 so how does this business if it's about proof and you're just funny, funny, like you said, funny's money. How do, how does that how is that so heavy in non white? And let's, let's let, me, let me rephrase that anyway, because I want to I want to change that. Let's call it just let's call it black. How is it that it's so heavy? Because it's not Hispanic. It's not brown people that are, are in that top twenty list. I mean in the top twenty comics, comics contr- in comedy, they own black owns that that list to me. To you. To me. Because you're thinking like a comic. Yeah, but I'm saying, because if funny's money and the truth is the truth, right. then why is it, like, how, okay, let me put it this way. Kevin Hart, if he wanted to, and some dude just comes up and says no, how does Kevin, how can Kevin not stand up and just in the truth of the business go, no, it has to be Aries. Because the man that told him no was white. <laughs> the man that will sign his check. Check. Is white. You've got the protection, the complexion for the protection for the collection. So Paul Mooney. Well, we talked. We talked about this before. So when does black owned black production black and it is not crabs in a bucket? When does that occur? (laughs) That's as realistic. That's as realistic as Dr. King's dream. It's a beautiful notion. It's come a long way, but the dream ain't never really came into fruition. It, but it, it, there's there's a change though, isn't there? Isn't there right now? A change? Yeah, absolutely. There's a change. Niggas ain't in movies anymore, uh, dancing and shuffling and cooning and bucking eyes and going, "Ooh, yazzle balls!" So yeah, there's a change. Denzel can play a doctor, you know. Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx can play president of the United States, you know. Uh, Oprah's still playing roles where her feet hurt and she's always tired and her back hurt. Uh, but you know, the, the roles have gotten. Better. That's Oprah's look, though. No, that's Oprah wanting that award. I, I don't know. Oh, every role Oprah plays, she, her character is always looking like, "Ooh, child, my feet hurt, my back, oh my life, I've been fighting." You know, she she thinks because she keep not putting on makeup that get her closer to the Oscar. <laughs> but listen, on the list, we you, we said how many on that list? How many black female comics was on it? I didn't. I can't remember. Well, maybe, not, maybe Whoopi. Would not. Be, I don't remember. Not one. Not one. Not one. So whoever made that list didn't even have niggas in mind. It was popular vote. Whoever made that list didn't have niggas in mind. How, how do you? If you're gonna talk about funny comedians and comedians, how do you not include Whoopi Goldberg? How do you not include uh, Aisha Taylor? Tyler? How do you not include? Cheryl Underwood. How do you not include Sherry Shepard? You know, for the, all that being said, how do you not put, if you're going to put, um, no, I'm not even going to remember his name. Who's the, we were talking about him just the other day. The white dude went to jail all the time for saying cocksucker. 
Oh, Lenny Bruce. If you're going to put Lenny Bruce on that list for the contributions that he made to comedy, how does right. Moms Mabley not get on that list for Hello. being the original? Hello, in my Jamie Foxx Ray voice. Hello. So, but it, again, is that thinking like a comic? Is do people not understand what goes into this? Do I mean, you know, uh, I forget the joke. Richard Pryor had that great line, uh, some about uh, black people not being in a movie, a space movie, or something. And somebody asked why, and Richard said, "Because white folks ain't planning for us to be here." <laughs> We still are not included um, in the thoughts and minds of shit we should be included in. But before we get to the comic, because that's its own thing, I'm still obsessed with this old people shit because we were watching kids come out, like kids with old people. And I just was thinking to myself, like, you know, again, when you get older, it just seems like nothing is the same as when you're younger. I'm thinking about, like, dude, it's Thanksgiving. It, the holidays don't mean to me what they used to. You know what I mean? It's like when you're a kid, everybody knows Halloween and Christmas are kids' Super Bowl. You know, that, that, is, that is when they rub their palms together. And from December 1st to October 1st to the date, the countdown begins. And when you're a kid, from December 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and so on to the 25th, every day feels like a year. A day takes a year to go by. <laughs> when you're an adult, from December 1st, October 1st to the dates, every day feels like six seconds. Because you're paying for shit. shit. Yeah, you are. You are. I, I, admit, when I, I remember a week. When I was in school for a week, it didn't seem like the week was going to fucking end. Right. But that, that, that's just how it felt. It felt like, you know, when now a week feels like, it, like literally an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Like Christmas, man. And, 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 I'm, and I'm telling you, I'm not one of these people who, you know, adults kill me because they know Christmas is really for kids. But how many adults do you know when they don't get a gift, they get salty? <laughs> I, that, it, it don't bother me. I swear to Christ, it don't bother me. Every fucking Christmas, if I don't get shit, I don't give a fuck. If you give me socks, I actually appreciate that because <laughs> I like having some cozies on my feet. It's a brand new. There's, so, nothing. there's nothing. If brand new drawers and socks feel adult they ain't got to give me shit i don't need no electronics i don't need nothing with no batteries leave me the fuck alone and give me my socks because i got what i want i got my man cave i got my ps4 i got my hydro that's all i need but halloween yeah once upon a time ago the thought of dressing up and getting candy couldn't fucking wait greatest thing in the world i don't give a fuck it, if i want candy i either steal my kids bags or I can go to the grocery store and buy my own shit. But but adults are trying to make Halloween for them. They're getting them dressed up. That's what they the dress up shit. That, yeah. And again, I think I would enjoy that if my mind wasn't on how I got to pay this bitch in alimony every every month. I got to get this bitch child support checks every week. If if that wasn't on my mind, yes, I would dress up like the Geico lizard. <laughs> <laughs> well. Like I'm watching this, and it's really funny because, and, and I know we we we're getting off race here for a second, but I'm in Kansas City. Um, you know, I'm, if anybody on this should listen to this does know, my mom is Mexican, my dad was is Jewish. Yeah. But I've never been anywhere in the country. If you see some furniture getting moved, a yeah. Mexican will pop up no matter where oh, you are. Yeah, in the yeah. Mexicans have figured out how to be effective uh, when they need to be. If there was, if we, if, if Hollywood does a TV show about moving men, right, 
<laughs> it's going to be the largest Mexican cast there is. No, it won't. It'll be white folks doing it. <laughs> Listen, everybody know Cleopatra is black. Everybody know the Egyptians is, is dark folks. Everybody know Jesus is black. But every time we see Jesus, it's uh, who is the dude that played him? Caviezel. Oh, John Caviezel. Yeah, it's a white dude. Fucking uh, Elizabeth Taylor was Cleopatra. Yeah, white folks. God bless you. This is why I love you. This is why I probably don't get. That's why somebody goes not that guy. Because that truth is a motherfucker. It's like you know, niggas is royalty. Historically, niggas have been royalty. We we come from kings, queens. That's why to this day we wear big gold medallions. Niggas didn't just start doing that because they went. Let's wear big gold medallions and diamonds. That is through our bloodline historically. But when it's time for motherfuckers to shine, white people go. I'll take that credit. Well, white people have associated us with being in the jungles of Africa and surrounded by monkeys and apes since forever. But the moment it becomes time to be brave and a hero, now it's Tarzan. Well, now it's a white man running the jungle, jungle. talking to apes and gorillas and shit. Dude, I noticed this. And I don't know if you. I, I don't know if this makes a difference or not. But I just thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, in the Black Panther that's coming out, yeah. He did. He he's the only one that's not either fighting a space monster, right. or a or a white villain. He's fighting another black villain. Listen, and I'm gonna say to all the listeners, and I ain't gotta say this. I black people, you could see it all over Twitter. This is good, and and I know a lot of white people are excited about it too because they're comic book geeks. But I'm telling you, uh, this is one of those moments, black people, where we have to stand up and show out, just like when. Spike Lee did Malcolm X. That movie was important to the culture. I remember everybody was wearing the baseball caps with the big X in the front. Spike Lee ran out of money to finish the movie. And Oprah, Michael Jordan, Bill Cosby, uh, and somebody else came to the rescue and gave him the money to finish that film. That was important to the culture. This movie, we got to show out. We got to stand up and we got to go to the fucking theaters. We have to support this. We know about the Iron Mans. We know about the Thors and the Captain Americas. And all of those Marvel movies have been gigantic successes. This is us. And I don't mean go to the movies. I'm not talking about going to the movies wearing your fucking Jordans and your sweatpants and your jeans and your hoodies. Put on your African garb. I'm going to see that motherfucker with a dashiki on. (laughs) And an African hat that Eddie Murphy wore in trading places when he went, hubba-da, 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 ha. And I'm wearing, I'm going to be lathered in baby oil and cocoa butter and Negro juices. <laughs> I am going to sit my black ass in that theater with a plate lip and a bone in my nose. And I am going to smell like catfish grease and watch this motherfucker with pride. If that theater don't smell like half cocoa butter and half pink oil moisturizer, it's a problem. Support this one. Black Panther. When every time I see that trailer, I get to I get to fucking goosebumps. It's gonna be good. Oh, it's gotta be good. This can't be a dud. No, no, no. It it really looks good. Yeah. But I just didn't understand why he couldn't fight a white dude. He might. I think one of the villains in there is Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But fuck it, all black, all it is important. We had a big black comedy, which coming to America that was was there's so there's so many there's movies that are just important to the cause. Coming to America was one of them. Harlem Nights on a smaller level, one of the most underrated Eddie Murphy movies was another. 
Pardon me, was another one. Malcolm X, God damn it, Black Panther. Black what? people stand up. God damn it. Where was your support for Luke Cage? Luke Cage should be a movie. I, I know it's on Netflix. Yeah. And I've never really seen it. I heard it's all these black characters should be a movie. I, I, could, I swore if Luke Cage was ever going to be a movie, I said Terry Crews. Either Terry Crews or Ving Rhames. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, all the movies should have been, to me, should be big movies. I'm not fucking around, black people. You, I don't want no... If I go into a theater and I, you ain't dressed properly, I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm telling you. I want African. Now, I know that African and them clothes is ugly as shit. You know what I mean? But for that day, sisters, put on them ridiculous uh, hot air balloon hats that them Africans wear and them long dresses that look like drapes with them crazy fucking patterns and colors. Get your feet greased up and go see this movie. I want, I, I want to be there when the white dude sits in the seat after the black dude's out there and he keeps sliding down. He's like, I don't know why, but I keep... Yeah, it's, I keep, a, it's, it's so, so slick. shiny. It's slick. <laughs> Black girls, whatever that sticky grease is, you put on your sideburns to mat that shit down. Uh, that look like you literally rub Crisco on your on your side of your head. Wash that shit out. Take out the weaves, the extensions. I want baldness or Afro puffs. I want authenticity for Black Panther. <laughs> God damn it! Are you going opening night? I'm fucking going when they put the last cut together. I'm sneaking in the studio before they release that bitch. You should. That you would been. I would love to see you in a movie like that, though. I really would. Oh, dude, I I would too, man. I I, I would too. Shit. I think you would have more fun than anybody else. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. What are we gonna do for Thanksgiving now? I don't know. Uh, you know, probably try to catch what we can. I think the the hotel restaurant opens around five, so and it's what time is it now? It's three thirty four, so we might be able to catch that. Uh, but then we're gonna go check out that Denzel movie. Yeah, Israel something something Israel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we laughed about that yesterday. I saw a poster for that movie on the way in, driving to the airport. It said Newsweek: Denzel shines. When the fuck does it? He always shines. He's Denzel. This motherfucker's never made a bad, only bad movie I ever, and I know I mentioned this, only movie I never liked by Denzel was Virtuosity. Other than that, everything he's done has been perfect. 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 I saw Man on Fire the other day again when it was on, uh, I caught it on. Oh, that, my favorite line in that movie. Uh, the old man said something to him just before he blew the, the truck up with the grenade launcher. There's something about death isn't right. He included God, and Denzel said, that's between him and God. I'm just here to arrange the meeting. <laughs> Jesus. Here we go with this fucking wagon wheel. Yeah! God, these fucking guys are killing it's me. It's the loudest moving company ever. Now, you guys, I'm sure you're hearing it. It's ridiculous. Well, but this is what happens when you do a podcast in real terrain. Yeah, this is on. We're actually sitting in front of the banquet place. Um, well, maybe our boy Steve Merrick, who, who does all the sound and produces it, will get some of this noise out of there. Yeah, man, that, that'll was, be the magic of Hollywood in Kansas. Yeah, this was the first shout out to Steve, and he deserved one. So, right. I'm looking at the clock, so we got about 20 minutes left. Uh, you want to try this list? I want to do the list. You want to talk about 
Really? So black comics that should be black, black uh, female comics that should have been on the I list. I mentioned them. They yeah, didn't but talk about that was it, but we didn't talk about them. Yeah, but was it to talk about? They, 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 they should, should be, be on, on the list. list. Uh, we could do, dude. I'm telling you, like I said, it's going to be a challenge for me because uh, my list really ain't that long. I mean, I, I, I know for me who should be on it and where, but that list is probably ten people long, ten people deep. You know, the rest is just me trying to fill in what I, who I think belongs where, based on how I think they belong there. You don't, you don't, you don't think you have a real top twenty of who you think top twenty? No, no. The, 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 the. Listen, everybody wants to get into Studio Fifty Four. You know what I mean? The line to get into Studio 54 is ridiculous. The velvet rope is holding a lot of motherfuckers back. But there's only a handful of motherfuckers that deserve to be in the club. Everybody wants in, but everybody shouldn't get in. Do you, and when we, okay, when we go to do this, are you basing this off? My pure, I think that motherfucker's funny. Just straight up comedy. Straight up. It doesn't make a difference if it's one, they had one album, if they had ten albums. This, this motherfucker brings the pain. Now, uh, again, you might not be my cup of tea, which is not to say that I don't respect you or you shouldn't be on the list. Uh, I'm just talking about for my top, I'm putting you there because I'm going, you that dude or you that chick. Uh, and then, yeah, if you go past what I think is the top, Everybody, you know, that's funny belongs somewhere on there. Yeah. Unless you just ain't funny. Okay, but here's here's the thing that, that we, we we talked about this a little bit when Eleanor was on the last podcast, and it was can you separate uh, someone's personal life from their um, their their talent, whatever that talent? Is. We're, we're talking about comedy right now. So like when we do this list, you have no trouble, and I don't have any trouble. But I want to know if you do. Do you have any trouble separating Bill Cosby and his his personal life from his comedy. No problem, because we're not talking about his personal life. We're just talking about straight we're comedy. We're just talking about straight comedy. But then why, okay, in life, in Hollywood, because everything's pretend anyway, how can we, how can people keep using their personal life as, like, I guess the easier way for me to say this, if we found out Van Gogh did some crazy shit in his life, which we probably could find out, if a Van Gogh's hanging up, or, or there's an amazing artist. Let's let's take a person's name out of it. Just say there's an amazing painting, and you see this amazing painting, and everybody's standing around this painting, and it's a it's an unbelievable painting. There's lines to see this painting, and then someone finds out that dude was a pedophile. Does it change the painting on the wall? No, it don't change the fact that it's a beautiful painting. So, uh, but do do I mean one has nothing to do with the other? So, so the gallery should so the gallery or the museum should leave the painting up. If we're being very technical from an from an artist standpoint, if you, if people are there to enjoy art, uh, yeah, I, I think it should be left up. I think you have to separate the artist from because our problem is that we keep putting people on pedestals when we know nothing about them. We put them on pedestals for the art or for what whatever what reason they got on that pedestal. It was for that one thing. But if it's up there for the one thing. Then when you find out some other things about him, you can't take it down because the one thing still holds its own. The reason they got put on the pedestal still holds Listen, its own. Listen, as horrendous as Cosby's acts were. And can we please not forget the fact that technically he hasn't been convicted of anything. We, do, we, do, keep, we keep talking about this shit like, yo, he's done this. Allegedly. Due process is, is, is still... Is, let me tell you, I, I was watching uh, Bill Maher. Uh, politically incorrect 
uh, this past Friday. And Chelsea Handler said some shit that pissed me off. She goes, we need to automatically believe women when they say these things. Automatically, we need to believe them. So to, does that mean that if we automatically believe them, that we just totally uh, convict the dude without due process? Because if we automatically believe them. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying... Uh, don't be concerned or don't treat it with the with the uh, with the attention that it deserves. Address the issue. They're due investigation. Do the do, address the issue with, with 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 passion and fury and fire. But when you go, let's automatically believe her. That's to suggest that you know what he did it, and that means you are convicting someone without due process. What if she's lying? You've already convicted this man. What they're saying right now is that only 2%, and this is the funny part, only 2% of women are speaking untruthfully about a situation like that because they have no reason to. Okay, so let's talk about the 2%. Right. now, A dude dude just got out of jail after serving 45, I saw, I I read it, uh, I read it in an article. A dude just got out of jail serving 45 years for something he didn't do. Right. And I think he had to pay $2,000. God, I wish I could find this goddamn article. He then the judge ordered him to pay money for for something. I, I hate to just leave it at something because I don't want to make it sound like I'm making this. I shit wish up. I could find it because I know what you're. I read the article. Um, but yeah, so not only did he lose 45 years of his life on some false shit, but he had to come out of pocket. And then he said that he holds no. Uh, well, black people, we've been dude, conditioned. Hold, hold some feet. So hold let, some. Let, let, let me tell you that again. Again, I, I know I don't want to make it racial, but this is where it's racial. Black people have been conditioned since from slavery to forgive in Jesus and Lord and mm, Jesus. Good Lord, Lord Jesus, forgive him, Jesus. We have been so conditioned to be the most forgiving motherfuckers on the planet, despite the some of the shit we've been through. And and that's why I, I get mad with religion. That's why at times I don't believe in God. That's why sometimes it make me sick when black people they hold we got to pray. We got to pray. Let's stop praying so goddamn much and actually do something. Prayer don't fix everything. No. If if if, if you if you as a dude are convicted of something you didn't do, I think you should get a million dollars for every year you was in jail. But give that man forty five million dollars. But I think it's dangerous when Chelsea Handler and, and women make comments like that. It, it, we should we automatically believe. Not only making that comment, which I think I, I think does deserve some. You have to look at what what she said because I, 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 the, the unjust of the two percent. The two percent's a big deal. If we're just going to believe it's one percent, and you're the one percent, it's a big, a big deal. deal. If you're in that, your one, family, yeah. your life, your kids, for forty five years, you are removed. From them. And and then the other side of this, the other side would be saying, well, that 98% is a huge deal, which it is. But that's why investigation still has to go on. With and it. that's why you can't say things like we should automatically believe. No. And we should treat it serious. We should investigate by all means. We should put the... F- we are in their area. I know, but I, I look at this like how white people look at shit. You guys <laughs> jump in the water and no sharks can kill you. And then if you get bit, you blame the shark. It being his. If you if you if you go to a zoo, 
and where animals are in cage where they shouldn't be in the first goddamn place and your kid jumps over the railing and ends up with a gorilla who dies the gorilla right yeah well you shouldn't even fucking be in there the gorilla didn't ask to be stolen from africa and be brought into a fucking situation how do you know that caged. gorilla was from africa what the fuck else would they come from? I don't from? know. Maybe he came from some other petting zoo or something. It was still, he came from one slavery camp, one plantation to another. You always help prove my point. <laughs> he said, what if he came from a petting zoo? Well, then he was, he transferred, transferred plantations, nigga. Okay. Oh, uh, oh, here's what I want to say about that. Not only about the, the, the 2% and that we should always, we should, the woman supersedes this whole thing. There was also, um, the, the, the thought is that, uh, Consent, like if 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 it's a male and female, and where I was saying that, why would I end at the last podcast where I said men want to fuck you? And the right. reason I said that it has to be said that way, men want to. I think supersedes anything else that you want to have. I want to go to a book club. I want to read a book with you. In the end, that dude wants to fuck you, and you have to know that because where this this problem comes in with consent, that I heard that if the dude believes the woman has consented. But the woman feels uncomfortable and doesn't feel as she consented. But they mutually have sex. It is the dude's fault for not understanding that there was no consent, even though in his mind he had consent. That's the, that's the thought process right now. The dude is still wrong. Even though he, he went into this, they, they had mutual, what he felt was mutual sex. She had sex. She didn't fight. She didn't put any, it wasn't, she said no. Uh, it was, she said, uh, she might have even said yes, but she wasn't feeling good about it. That that is a guy having sex without consent. This is why prostitution is underrated. Because, you know, as illegal as it is, it is an honest business transaction. Technically, that might be the only consensual sex. Right. And look, you give me the money, you give me the the boom, boom. All right, bitch, see you next week. I'll call when I'm ready for another appointment. That may, truthfully. Because that cuts out all the mind games and the minefield that you got to walk through and all the bullshit. I don't, the prostitution should be legal as a motherfucker. While we sitting over here fighting about weed being legalized, just like we had to fight about uh, alcohol during prohibition, weed now. God, I, I, maybe I'll never live to see the day, but that day... When if they ever legalize sex, that will be as historic as Obama, the first black president, because it should be. It why should why shouldn't it be? Why shouldn't it be legal? If you really want to be honest, it's what you're doing anyway. What woman goes? I'm gonna open my legs to this man without him courting me. We got to go. And and I know some women want to go. We do Dutch and be feminist and say all that bullshit about you know. I'm Shaka Khan. I'm woman. Hear me roar. But traditionally, traditionally, I think most women like tradition. They, they won't, you won't take them out, show them a good time, pay for a couple of dinners, some dancing, some drinks. And unless she give it to you the first night or the second date, if she even make you go a minute, by the time you've done all that, you've accumulated a bill. So whether I, it's directly, here's the money or indirectly here's the dinner the dancing the movies the drinks you paying anyway so you know okay and, and I, I like that point but let me ask you this this question then this other way Let, let's let's flip it just a little bit mm-hmm. and i know we come from the side of the male side of this and i know that there's people who probably listen to this and think we're just misogynist assholes but let me ask you this question this way how many times do you think a woman has been out there and a guy has asked her out that she has no interest in 
in any kind. He and she knows he likes him. She knows he likes her in a in in a way that he wants. She he wants to spend time with her, and so he gets tickets to a a concert, a game, whatever, and says, ah, "Man, I, I have these tickets. And I really want to take you out, and uh, and I'll take you, we'll we'll go to dinner." And she has no interest in whatsoever. And she still says, yeah, because she wants to go to the concert and she wants the dinner. Isn't that then, by, by their own standard, isn't that fucked? Isn't, aren't, they, aren't, they sending, aren't they sending the wrong message? If you know that that dude likes you. Listen, at this stage of the game, you have to go into it preparing to lose. You know, that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the fun of and fucked up part about dating. As a dude, how do you not get you? You can't automatically assume you're gonna get the win, even if you jump through all the hoops, hit all the right buttons. You have to go in knowing that a loss is very possible. You go in with the hope of winning. Yeah, but in my scenario, I'm not even saying that because she did this, because she said or she went out with him, that she that he deserves something. What I'm saying is, if she knows that she doesn't want to have anything to do with this guy other than the concert. Doesn't she have an obligation now to, to be say, upfront and say, you know, I'll go with you, but I have no interest in you whatsoever. I know you like me, but that's never going to happen. But if you want to still take me to this concert and to dinner. Well, then if they did that, they know they put themselves in a position to take the L. Because then you as a dude could go, oh, well, okay, I guess I'll be seeing the next plus one. But where is the where is the fair? Where is this getting fair. leveled out? Let's fair. level it out. Yeah, let's level it out. Fair. Yeah, let's make it fair. How dare you? female and fair that does not go together if this were the 20s in a black and white game james cagney movie i'd slap the shit out of you well and the what about fair now fair you want fair take me home <laughs> but the other side of it too is when uh I, i've seen these other scenarios where a dude is an attractive dude and asks a girl and she goes oh no i don't want to go out with you i have a boyfriend and then so he asks her out again he asks her out again he asks her out again and then and, and in some instances not all instances she will go out or she won't go out but she never felt because he's an attractive dude that she was being like a victim or assaulted in this guy pursuing her but if an ugly dude was to ask her out twice if he pursued her because he wanted to go out with her, and mm -hmm. she said no, and then he came back and he goes, "Didn't I already tell you no? I'm going to HR. I'm going to go let, go to HR and let them know that you were ugly motherfucker, and you should have <laughs> known better than to come at me twice for a date. But the good-looking dude can hit her up as many times as he wants, and right. she's not going to HR because that's to her that that that, that that's a but, but that's then, a compliment. But, but, but yeah, but then at the same time, all of it will eventually fall on." him and as a human being and him in terms of his game and him in terms of his behavior because i know women and they countless women have said it where they go out with some cute hunk sexy dude athlete great body and they go girl he was fine but the moment he opened his mouth so you know just because you yeah just because you're pretty on the outside or whatever you know, you still have to have some game. No, I, the, the, the looks might get you the ass on a surface level, and she'll just have sex with you just because you look like that. But in terms of the, it being anything else, that really falls on I'm saying, who you are. I'm saying the looks keep you out of the HR office. Is what I'm saying. Now, uh, let's let's not even get let's not even go as far. They as might to they ass. might they might keep you out of the HR office, but they will also, if your personality ain't right, keep you out some other shit. Yeah, that's true. But I'm. That that what that's the point is that I just right. see women 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 come at this if we're going to be real honest about it. 
I think there needs to be a discussion between men and women in a debate. And let's just be real honest about what, what this is. This is not... It, it, they want to make it all one-sided right now, and it's not one-sided. There's two sides to this. It's supposed to be this way. Don't fight me on this. What do you mean, love? Fair. You want fair? Take me home. <laughs> Yo, we only got like seven minutes left. Let's get back on comedy because we veered off for okay. a second. Um, but to answer your question about Bill, what he has done allegedly doesn't change how funny his work is. And if we're going to base the list off pure ability, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at pure ability. And I and I think that's the way it has to be done, right? So because when I go to make mine, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I, I'm taking into account their comedy. That's it, solely their comedy, right? I can't because that's all. I mean, and when I do that, I'm not giving them a pass on what they've done. I'm just saying their comedy rated to this level. Yeah. So yeah, I I think since we obviously don't have time. Uh, now, because we're, we're about to draw to a close, um, I think this might be a bonus episode. We still might be able to get another episode in while we're here that we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we'll definitely do our top. And I'm telling you, that's going to be a struggle for me past ten. Do you want to do? It's going to be a struggle for me past six. But do you want to do twenty to uh, the the twenty like the first, I, I, the first say, ten I and say, then the second ten? I say you mean like break it up? Yeah. We got an hour podcast. We can we can fit that all in one. All twenty. I, I think it should just be called our top one two when we can't go no more. Because I might not be able to go no more after ele- eleven. Well, because one's done. We already know who one is. So that's that's. The Do we? Thing. Well, I know who one is to me. Who? I thought your one was one. It was done. Uh, my one is a is a very. It's a very tricky three. It's like a Powerball. Okay, then I'm either, not either one of these guys could pop up and could could go okay, but for specific reasons, it would be debatable for me. No, I, I can't. I'm not gonna say. The, I'm not gonna say who. I'm not gonna say the order. I'll just say this: Murphy, Pryor, Chappelle. Yeah. As far as number one, now I I, I won't tell you who's number one. We'll do it next podcast because I'm going to need a second to lock that down, and we'll get into why. But either one of those three, to me, is number one. I can slot mine right now. Go ahead. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to wait. Okay. But, but I'm just saying I can put that that three. I'm not going to disagree that that's the order. Right. But I can put them, I can put them one, two, three right now. Right. All right. And again, I would even throw Patrice in there. My only thing with Patrice is like the argument people make about Biggie. Biggie's one of the greatest rappers of all time. Most people feel this way, particularly New Yorkers, Brooklyn. But the argument has always been his body of work is too short. He did two albums and then he died. Had, had, had he been alive, had he been allowed to live without question, he'd be probably the number one dude to write there neck and neck with Jay-Z in terms of lyrical skill. But his life was cut short. So Patrice without question if he was still alive, oh man, he'd he'd give Dave such a bang for his buck. It would be unreal. But his body of work is 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 smaller, right? But like you said, with Biggie, man, I still give Biggie number one. And Listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to tell you, but I, I, I would give Tupac number one. Eh, wait, 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 wait. This is no, we no, definitely no, going to have to get no, into. No, hear this out though. Okay. For releasing more music after his death than anyone else possible. Let me say this, and then this will be a great note for me to end on. Uh, uh, and then we can also bleed this into the next podcast. Uh, I, I, I'm going to assume 
uh, your rap knowledge won't be as deep as mine. But that being said, it, it depends. The, the Biggie, the Biggie Pac thing. Let me say this: a lot of people want to put Pac as one of the top rappers in the game. I don't because when you talk about top rappers, we talk about lyrics. We talk about lyrical ability, metaphors, punchlines, lines. I always felt Pac was a passion guy. Pac rhymed with passion. You felt his fire when he said, everybody tear the club up. You want to tear the motherfucker club up. When he said, dear mama, you want to hug your mama. When he said Brenda had a baby, you wanted to go, oh, damn, what's up with the baby? He wasn't a lyricist. Nas is a lyricist. Jay-Z, uh, 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 Eminem, Biggie, lyrics. The ability to, to spit something, you go, yo, rewind that. Oh, you see how, he, like when, when, when Biggie said, if Faith have twins, she probably have two pox. Get it? Two pox. That wordplay, that mind complexity, that wasn't Pac. Pac was energy. And to all you wannabe rappers out there, if y'all really care about rap, go. It should be like a required class. Every month, play Biggie's Niggas Bleed from his second album. Was it After Death or Life After Death or whatever it was called? Niggas Bleed. The way he tells that fucking story, you'd swear you were looking at a Scorsese scene. The way he breaks that down with that music and that melody and the way the, the music changes and the shifts and drama, the, the, the more dramatic and climactic the story gets, the music flows with the drama in the moment. You're watching a fucking movie scene play out in your ears. That's lyrical skill. That wasn't Pac. I'm done. Till uh, later this week, man. Right on the dime, 359. Yo, as always, uh, please, 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 please uh, support me on Twitter. I'm trying to get them goddamn followers up. Fucking Kim Kardashian got 54 million. I got 98,000. I got to catch this bitch. Help me. Uh, Twitter at Aries Spears. <clears throat> All things free comedy. Pandora, Aries Spears. Subscribe. YouTube channel, Aries Spears. Hit the subscribe button. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm really on Facebook with Facebook, too. Aries Spears and uh, am I forgetting something? Instagram, Aries Spears official, pardon me, I'm belching. Still burping up last night's barbecue from Gates. Uh, this is why niggas die of high cholesterol. We don't get rid of that shit the way white people do. We need to start shitting in the woods. Uh, <laughs> Aries Spears, all of that, man, goes support me. And I've been tweeting about the podcast and telling people the most important part is to download it so that way we get the ratings, right? Right, download yeah. it, subscribe to it. And, and rate us. We need all that. We need that. Come on now. Help this black nigga and this Jew get right. Can you believe this? I'm supposed to be where I'm at just by race. This Jew man is with me. This is depressing. <laughs> I feel like this is Shawshank Redemption. Help this white man get out so he can help get me free. You could do the Andy Dufresne. Just change to Andy Steinberg. Andy Steinberg. I miss my friend. I miss my friend. And I'm at uh, AndyComedy.com. All my social media is on there. You can follow me easily. And if you want to throw some merch dollars at me for Christmas, buy a T-shirt, man. Buy a T-shirt for someone you care about. You can either get busy living or get busy dying.